0: Thanks so much for your listenership and support.
1: Good evening. Welcome to Send Me to Sleep, the world's sleepiest podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm here to help calm your mind and send you into a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading the second
0: and last part of The Bluebird from Andrew Lang's The Green Fairy Book.
1: So let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. At last the
0: spy, who had never taken her eyes off the princess day or night, was so overcome with weariness that she fell into a deep, sleep. And as soon as the princess saw that, she flew to open her window and cried softly, Blue
1: bird, blue as the sky, fly to
0: me now, there's nobody by. And the blue bird, who had never ceased to flutter round within sight and hearing of her prison,
1: came in an instant.
0: They had so much to say and were so overjoyed to meet once more that it scarcely seemed to them five minutes before the sun rose and the blue bird had to fly away again.
1: But the next night the
0: spy slept as soundly as before, so that the blue bird came, and he and the princess began to think they were perfectly safe and to make all sorts. Of plans for being happy as they were before the queen's visit. But, alas, the third night the spy was not quite so sleepy, and when the princess opened her window and cried as usual, Blue bird, blue as the sky, fly to me now. There's nobody nigh. She was wide awake in a moment, Though she was sly enough to keep her eyes shut at first. But presently she heard voices, And peeping cautiously, She saw by the moonlight The most lovely blue bird in the world who was talking to the princess while she stroked and caressed it fondly the spy did not lose a single word of the conversation and as soon as the day dawned and the bluebird had reluctantly said goodbye to the princess she rushed off to the queen and told her all she had seen and heard then the queen sent for Turretella and they talked it over and very soon came to the conclusion that this blue bird was no other than the king charming himself ah That insolent princess cried the queen to think that when we supposed her to be so miserable, she was all the while as happy as possible with that false king. But I know how we can avenge ourselves, so the spy was ordered to go back and pretend to sleep as soundly as ever, and indeed she went to bed earlier than usual, and snored as naturally as possible, and the poor princess ran to the window and cried, Bluebird, blue as the sky, Fly to me now, there's nobody by. But no bird came. All night long she called and waited and listened, but still there was no answer, for the cruel queen had caused the fir tree to be hung all over with knives. Swords, razors, shears, billhooks and sickles so that when the bluebird heard the princess's call and flew towards her his wings were cut and his little black feet clipped off and all pierced and stabbed in twenty places He fell back bleeding into his hiding-place, and lay there groaning and despairing, for he thought the princess must have persuaded to betray him, to regain her liberty. Ah, Fiordelisa, can you indeed be so lovely and so faithless? He sighed. Then I may as well die at once. And he turned over on his side and began to die. But it happened that his friend, the enchanter, had been very much alarmed at seeing the frog chariot come back to him without King Charming and had. Round the world eight times seeking him, but without success. At the very moment when the king gave himself up to despair, he was passing through the wood for the eighth time and called, as he had done all over the world, Charming. King Charming, are you here? The king at once recognised his friend's voice and answered very faintly, I am here. The enchanter looked all round him but could see nothing and then the king said again, I am a bluebird. Then the Enchanter found him in an instant, and seeing his pitiable condition, ran hither and thither without a word, until he had collected a handful of magic herbs, with which, and a few incantations, he speedily made the king whole and sound again. Now, said he, let me hear all about it. There must be a princess at the bottom of this. There are two, answered King Charming with a wry smile. And then he told the whole story. Accusing Fiordelisa of having betrayed the secret of his visits to make her peace with the queen, and indeed saying a great many hard things about her fickleness and her deceitful beauty, and so on. The enchanter quite agreed with him and even went further, declaring that all princesses were alike, except perhaps in the matter of beauty, and advised him to have done with Fiordelisa, and forget all about her. But, somehow or other, this advice did not quite please the king. What is to be done next, said the enchanter, since you still have five years to remain a bluebird? Take me to your palace, answered the king. There you can at least keep me in a cage safe from cats and swords. Well... That will be the best thing to do for the present, said his friend. But I am not an enchanter for nothing. I'm sure to have a brilliant idea for you before long. In the meantime, Fjorda Lisa, quite in despair, sat at her window day and night calling her dear bluebird in vain, and imagining over and over again all the terrible things that could have happened to him until she grew quite pale and thin. As for the queen and Torretella, they were triumphant, but their triumph was short, for the king, Fiordelisa's father, fell ill and died, and all the people rebelled against the queen and Turritella, and came in a body to the palace, demanding Fiordelisa. The queen came out upon the balcony with threats and haughty words, so that at last they lost their patience and broke open the doors of the palace, one of which fell back upon the queen and killed her. Taritella fled to the fairy Mozilla and all the nobles of the kingdom fetched the princess Fiordelisa from her prison in the tower, and made her queen. Very soon, with all the care and attention they bestowed upon her, she recovered from the effects of her long captivity, and looked more beautiful than ever, and was able to take Counsel with her courtiers and arrange for the governing of her kingdom during her absence. And then, taking a bag full of jewels, she set out all alone to look for the blue bird without telling anyone where she was going. Meanwhile, the Enchanter was taking care of King Charming, but as his power was not great enough to counteract the Fairy Mozilla's, he at last resolved to go and see if he could make any kind of terms with her for his friend. For you see, Fairies and Enchanters... A cousin's in a sort of way, after all, and after knowing one another for five or six hundred years, and falling out, and making it up again pretty often, they understand one another well enough. So the fairy Mozilla received him graciously. And what may you be wanting, gossip? said she. You can do a good turn for me if you will, he answered. A king, who is a friend of mine, was unlucky enough to offend you. Aha, I know who you mean, interrupted the fairy. I am sorry not to oblige you, Gossip, but he need expect no mercy from me unless he will marry my goddaughter, whom you see yonder looking so pretty and charming. Let him think over what I say. The enchanter hadn't a word to say, for he thought Turretella really frightful, but he could not go away without making one more effort for his friend the king, who was really in a great danger as long as he lived in a cage. Indeed, Already he had met several alarming accidents. Once the nail on which his cage was hung had given way, and his feathered majesty had suffered much from the fall. While Madame Puss, who happened to be in the room at the time, had given him a scratch in the eye, Which came very near blinding him. Another time they had forgotten to give him any water to drink, so that he was nearly dead with thirst. And the worst thing of all was that he was in danger of losing his kingdom, for he had been absent so long. That all his subjects believed him to be dead. So, considering all these things, the enchanter agreed with the fairy Mazilla that she should restore the king to his natural form, and should take Taratella to stay in his palace for several months, and if After the time was over, he could still not make up his mind to marry her. He should once more be changed into a bluebird. Then the fairy dressed Taratella in a magnificent gold and silver robe, and they mounted together upon a flying dragon and very soon reached King Charming's palace, where he, too, had just been brought by his faithful friend the Enchanter. Three strokes of the fairy's wand restored his natural form, and he was as handsome and delightful as ever. But he considered that he paid dearly for his restoration when he caught sight of Turritella, and the mere idea of marrying her made him shudder. Meanwhile, Queen Fioradilisa, disguised as a poor peasant girl, wearing a great straw hat that concealed her face, and carrying an old sack over her shoulder, had set out upon her weary journey, and had travelled far, sometimes by sea, and sometimes by land, sometimes on foot, and sometimes on horseback, but not knowing which way to go. She feared all the time that every step she took was leading her farther from her lover. One day as she sat, quite tired and sad, on the river bank of a little brook, cooling her white feet in the clear, running water, and combing her long hair that glittered like gold in the sunshine, a little bent old woman passed
1: by, leaning on a stick. She
0: stopped and said to Fjordeliza, Why, my pretty child, are you all? Indeed, good mother, I am too sad to care for company, she answered, and the tears ran down her cheeks. Don't cry, said the old woman, but tell me truly what is the matter. Perhaps I can help you. The queen told her willingly all that had happened and how she was seeking the blue bird. Thereupon the little old woman suddenly stood up straight and grew tall and young and beautiful and said with a smile to the astonished Fjordeliza, Lovely Queen, The king whom you seek is no longer a bird. My sister Mazilla has given his own form back to him, and he is in his own kingdom. Do not be afraid. You will reach him, and will prosper. Take these four eggs. If you break one when you are in any great difficulty, you will find aid. So saying, she disappeared, and Fjordeliza, feeling much encouraged, put the eggs into her bag and turned her steps towards Charming's kingdom. After walking on and on for eight days and eight nights, she came at last to a tremendously high hill of polished ivory, so steep that it was impossible to get a foothold upon it. Fjordeliza tried a thousand times, and scrambled and slipped, but always in the end found herself exactly where she started from. At last she sat down at the foot of it in despair, and then suddenly bethought herself of the eggs, breaking one quickly. She found in it some little gold hooks, and with these, fastened to her feet and hands, she mounted the ivory hill without further trouble, for the little hooks saved her from slipping. As soon as she reached the top, a new difficulty presented itself for all the other side, and indeed the whole valley, was one polished mirror, in which thousands and thousands of people were admiring their reflections, for this was a magic mirror, in which people saw themselves just as they wished to appear and pilgrims came to it from the four corners of the world. But nobody had ever been able to reach the top of the hill, and when they saw Fjordeliza standing there, they raised a terrible outcry, declaring that if she set foot upon their glass, she would break it to pieces. The queen, not knowing what to do, for she saw it would be dangerous to try to go down, broke the second egg, and out came a chariot, drawn by two white doves, and Fjordeliza got into it, and was floated softly away. After a night and a day, the doves alighted outside the gate of King Charming's kingdom. Here the queen got out of the chariot, and kissed the doves and thanked them, and then with a beating heart she walked into the town asking the people she met where she could see the king. But they only laughed at her, crying, See the king and pray. Why do you want to see the king, my little kitchen maid? You had better go and wash your face first. Your eyes are not clear enough to see him. For the queen had disguised herself and pulled her hair down about her eyes that no one might know her. As they would not tell her, she went on farther and presently asked again. And this time the people answered that tomorrow she might see the king driving through the streets with the princess Turatella, as it was said that at last he had consented to marry her. This was indeed terrible news for Fiordeliza. Had she come all this weary way, only to find Taratella had succeeded in making the King Charming forget her. Had she come all this weary way, only to find Taratella had succeeded in making King Charming forget her. She was too tired and miserable to walk another step, so she sat down in a doorway and cried bitterly all night long. As soon as it was light, she hastened to the palace, and after being sent away fifty times by the guards, she got in at last and saw the throne set in the great hall for the king. And Turritella, who was already looked upon as queen, Fiordelisa hid herself behind a marble pillar, and very soon saw Turritella make her appearance richly dressed, but as ugly as ever, and with her came the king. More handsome and splendid, even then Fiordelisa had remembered him. When turritella had seated herself upon the throne, the queen approached her. Who are you, and how dare you come near my high mightiness, upon my golden throne, said turritella "'frowning fiercely at her. "'They call me the little kitchen-maid,' she replied, "'and I come to offer some precious things for sale.' "'And with that she searched in her old sack "'and drew out the emerald bracelets King Charming had given her. "'Ho, ho,' said Taratella, those are pretty bits of glass. I suppose you would like five silver pieces for them. Show them to someone who understands such things, madame, answered the queen. After that, we can decide upon the price. Taratella who really loved King Charming as much as she could love anybody and was always delighted to get a chance of talking to him, now showed him the bracelets, asking how much he considered them worth. As soon as he saw them, he remembered those he had given to Fjordeliza and turned very pale and sighed deeply, and fell into such sad thought that he quite forgot to answer her. Presently she asked him again, and then he said, with a great effort, I believe these bracelets are worth as much as my kingdom. I thought there was only one such pair in the world, but here it seems another. Then Tarritella went back to the queen and asked her what the lowest price she would take for them. More than you would find it easy to pay, madame, answered she. But if you will manage for me to sleep one night in the Chamber of Echoes, I will give you the emeralds. By all means, my little kitchen maid, said Turritella, highly delighted. The king did not try to find out where the bracelets had come from not because he did not want to know, but because the only way would have been to ask Torritella, and he disliked her so much that he never spoke to her if he could possibly avoid it. It was he who had told Fjord Lisa about the Chamber of Echoes, when he was a bluebird. It was a little room below the king's own bedchamber, and was so ingeniously built that the softest whisper in it was plainly heard in the king's room. Fjordeliza wanted to reproach him for his faithfulness, and could not imagine a better way to do this. Lisa wanted to reproach him for his faithlessness, and could not imagine a better way than this. So when by Taratella's orders she was left there, she began to weep and lament, and never ceased until daybreak the king's pages told Toretella when she asked them what a sobbing and sighing they had heard and she asked Fjordeliza what it was all about the queen answered that she often dreamed and talked aloud But by an unlucky chance the king heard nothing of all this for he took a sleeping draught every night before he lay down and did not wake up until the sun was high. The queen passed the day in great disquietude. If he did hear me she said, could he remain so cruelly indifferent? If he did not hear me, what can I do to get another chance? I have plenty of jewels, it is true, but nothing remarkable enough to catch Torotella's fancy. Just then, She thought of the eggs, and broke one, Out of which came a carriage of polished steel ornamented with gold, Drawn by six green mice. The coachman was a rose-coloured rat, The postillion a grey one, And the carriage was occupied. By the tiniest and most charming figures, who could dance and do wonderful tricks. Fiordolisa clapped her hands and danced for joy when she saw this triumph of magic art, and as soon as it was evening went to a shady garden path down which she knew. Taratella would pass, and then she made the mice gallop, and the tiny people show off their tricks, and sure enough, Taratella came, and the moment she saw it all, cried, Little kitchen maid, little kitchen maid, What will you take for your mouse carriage? The queen answered.
1: Let me sleep
0: once more in the chamber of echoes. I won't refuse your request, poor creature, said Torritella condescendingly. And then she turned to her ladies and whispered. The silly creature does not know how to profit by her chances, so much the better for me. When night came, Fjordeliza said all the loving words she could think of, but alas, with no better success than before, for the king slept. Heavily after his draft, one of the pages said, This peasant girl must be crazy, but another answered, Yet what she says sounds very sad and touching. As for Fjordeliza, she thought the king must have a very hard heart if he could hear, how she grieved, and yet pay her no attention. She had but one more chance, and on breaking the last egg, she found to her great delight that it contained a marvellous thing than ever before. It was a pie made of six birds, Cooked to perfection, and yet they were all alive and singing and talking, and they answered questions and told fortunes in the most amusing way, taking this treasure, Fiordelisa once more set herself to wait in the great hall through which Taratella was sure to pass, and as she sat there, one of the king's pages came by, and said to her, Well, little kitchen maid, it is a good thing that the king always takes a sleeping draught, for if not he would be kept awake all night by your sighing and lamenting. Then Fjordeliza knew why the king had not heeded her, and taking a handful of pearls and diamonds out of her sack, she said, If you can promise me that tonight the king shall have no sleeping draught, I will give you all these jewels. Oh, I promise
1: that willingly, said the page.
0: At this moment Turritella appeared, and at the first sight of the savoury pie, with the pretty little birds all singing and chattering, she cried, That is an admirable pie, little kitchen maid. Pray, what will you take it for? The usual price, she answered, To sleep once more in the chamber of echoes. By all means, only give me the pie, Said the greedy turret teller. And when night was come, Queen Fjordeliza waited until she thought everybody in the palace would be asleep, and then began to lament as before. Ah, charming, she said, what have I ever done that you should forsake me and marry Taratella? If you could only know all I have suffered, And what a weary way I have come to seek you. Now the page had faithfully kept his word, And given the king charming a glass of water Instead of his usual sleeping draught. So there he lay wide awake, And heard every word Fjordeliza said, and even recognized her voice, though he could not tell where it came from. Ah, princess, he said, how could you betray me to our cruel enemies when I loved you so dearly? Lisa heard him and answered quickly. Find out the little kitchen maid, and she will explain everything. Then the king, in a great hurry, sent for his pages and said, If you can find the little kitchen maid, bring her to me at once. Nothing could be easier, sire, they answered for she is in the Chamber of Echoes. The king was very much puzzled when he heard this. How could the lovely Princess Fjordeliza be a little kitchen maid? Or how could a little kitchen maid have Fjordeliza's own voice? So he dressed hastily and ran down a little secret staircase which led to the Chamber of Echoes. There, upon a heap of soft cushions, sat his lovely princess. She had laid aside all her ugly disguises, and wore a white silken robe, and her golden hair, shone in the soft lamplight. The king was overjoyed at the sight and rushed to throw himself at her feet and asked her a thousand questions without giving her time to answer one. lisa was equally happy to be with him once more and nothing troubled them but the remembrance of Fairy Mozilla. But at this moment, in came the Enchanter, and with him a famous fairy, the same in fact who had given Fiordalisa the eggs. After greeting the king and queen, they said as they were united, in wishing to help King Charming, the fairy Mazilla had no longer any power against him and he might marry Fjordeliza as soon as he pleased. The king's joy may be imagined and as soon as it was day the news was spread through the palace and everybody who saw Fiordelisa loved her directly. When Taratella heard what had happened, she came running to the king, and when she saw delisa with him, she was terribly angry. But before she could say a word, the enchanter and the fairy changed her into a big brown owl, and she floated away out of the palace windows, hooting dismally. Then the wedding was held with great splendour, and King Charming and Queen Fjordeliza
1: lived happily ever after.